0: You're listening to Sermon Audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. I love Christmas, don't you? It, 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 as the song says, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And it is, it really is. There's something special about Christmas. Even walking in the room this morning, early, shaking hands, giving some Christmas hugs, and just greeting people, again, it just feels different. Uh, You might say, yeah, pastor, you look different. You're, You're wearing a tie. Do you do that very often? No, it's Christmas. I just thought I'd throw one on. Actually, I went to my closet today and this red tie said, don't leave me. I'm lonely. You haven't worn me in three years. So I went ahead it probably didn't do that but it felt like it you know so I threw it on you know and uh and so yes it, it is different sometimes we dress a little different we wear more red during Christmas and or my wife wore her green dress today so we could match maybe get a picture later right and uh so it's just a fun fun time of the year for a lot of different reasons I think that Christmas is a lot of things to a lot of different people it really is I mean, when you think about it, I, I read recently that a uh, a TV crew or a news crew went into a, a mall and just began to randomly interview people about what is the real meaning of Christmas. And oddly enough, maybe not oddly enough in this culture, but most people didn't mention God. They, they mentioned, you know, our Christmas is, it's tradition, it's family coming to town, it's, it's opening of gifts. And, you know, speaking of gifts, and maybe that is what you think of when you think of Christmas as giving gifts gifts where does that tradition come from well for some the tradition of giving gifts comes from the old story about saint nick but then others and probably the majority of people in this room might have the biblical perspective more that comes from really the song that vince sang oddly enough about the wise men bringing gold and frankincense and myrrh gifts to jesus and i was thinking about gifts at christmas time here recently and uh, as I was wrapping the gifts from my, my my family members, I was thinking, you know, really, most of the gifts that I'm wrapping, if not all of them, really, don't last forever. Really, there, there's no gift that really lasts forever. And then I was thinking about the kind of gifts that people give. There's really three types of gifts that people give. Tell me if you relate to this. Have you ever given the gift for a gift gift? The Think about it, the gift for a gift gift. In other words... I'm giving you a gift because you're giving me a gift. And sometimes we go to parties where they say, look, if you're going to bring a gift, keep it around 20 so that nobody feels outgifted. That was supposed to be fine. I got to wake you guys up. <laughs> Usually my energy wakes folks up, but maybe this is more 9 o'clock than 1045. So the gift for a gift gift, right? And, and we all have given What about the gift for a favor gift? Huh? And this one here is one of those gifts where it's like, I don't expect anything in return. But later in the year, I'm going to remind you, remember the Christmas gift. Kevin, remember that. Now, I need a favor. Don't forget, I I gave you a Christmas gift. The gift for a favor gift. And then I think the third gift may be the kind of gift we're going to talk about this morning for a little bit. It's the gift of grace. Or the show your love gift. This is unrepayable. This is a gift that is given to show love. Last year at Christmas, we were exchanging gifts around the tree. And it gets crazy and wild and fun. And, and, and we were having a blast, about 20 of us. We don't actually get to celebrate Christmas until January the 6th. You say, that's crazy, preacher. I know, that's, everybody's in California or some other crazy place. So they don't all get back till then. So we finally, at January 6th, settle into the tree, read the Christmas story, have a January Christmas exchange gifts. We're doing all that. It's getting crazy. And MJ... If you know MJ, you know, crazy and MJ kind of are the same word. And so my little grandson, MJ, he sees everything going on. He runs to get me a gift he had prepared on a torn piece of paper written with broken crayons. And in the midst of the hustle and bustle and emotion and, 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 and folks receiving gifts, Papa, hey, Papa, here, here, here's my gift. And I looked at that little picture he had written of me with no hair. <laughs> it's really easy to write a picture of me, to be honest. <laughs> Leave the hair off, and it's, it's me. And he handed me that little piece of paper. And he looked at me with eyes that only a papa could imagine. And I'm going to tell you something, church. You couldn't put a price tag on that gift. You couldn't. And, and I think the, the third gift... That third gift, that grace gift, that gift of love, really that gift is the gift that we're talking about this morning. It's the gift that God gave to the world. It's a gift. Wait a minute, we said there's not really a gift that lasts forever. Yes, there is. There is a gift that lasts forever. God gave his son, Jesus, and he gave five specific names to describe the gift to the world. And so what we're going to do is we already read we're going to read one more time. I'll read it. You can follow along on the screen as we go through the notes. But we're going to we're going to see here that in this ancient prophecy 700 years before Jesus was born. Now fathom that for just a moment. 700 years before Jesus was born Isaiah predicted his birth and then gave a five-fold description of his name he said for unto us here's christmas a child is born unto us a son is given and we'll celebrate that tomorrow morning Before we do anything else, right, church? Before we do anything else, let's acknowledge that a child has been born into the world. His name is Jesus, which means that he he saves. He saved the world. He came into the world to save us. The government will be upon his shoulder. And his name, we've talked about, shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. This morning, the Everlasting Father. Next week, the Prince of Peace. We've already seen the three names and what they describe that God's done something for us. We said, first of all, when we began this series, Jesus, the magnificent one, that he can help us in the dullness of life. He comes alongside us sometimes when life gets kind of dull. He's just wonderful. He brings Christmas wonder. We're reminded of that during this time of year. I think more than any other time of the year, the wonder of Christmas. He's wonderful. We said then he helps with the decisions of life. He, he is counselor. He comes alongside us and he gives us Christmas wisdom. And only God really knows the truth about us and, and he can speak to us and help us in the, in, the, in the trials of life, in the big decisions of life. He comes alongside us and he gives us his wisdom. He's the counselor. And then thirdly, last week we talked about he helps us in the demands of life. He's a mighty God. He's strong. He has. We talked about Christmas strength, that, that he's mighty, that he's strong, that he strengthens us, that sometimes life does get difficult and, and we recognize we're weak. We can't handle this. And he says, I'm your mighty God. I can help you with the demands of life. But this morning I want to talk to you about how he helps us in the dimensions of life. He comes alongside us as our everlasting father. I want to talk to you for a moment this morning about Christmas worship. On this Christmas Eve, I want to take a moment and dive into these two words, everlasting father. Which I'm convinced this morning tell us something that that Jesus takes care of the dimensions of life. The word everlasting is an amazing word. It's an intense word. It says that he covers our past he covers our present he covers our future that's what everlasting is it's 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 everlasting it's it's the past but wait a minute it's also the present oh and don't forget it's also the future jesus has impacted your past whether you realize it or not he's impacted your past He did it when he was born into this world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose again to pay the penalty for your sins. But he also is involved in your present. He's here today. He is Emmanuel, God, with us in this place. And he's also interested in your future. He's got a plan, you know. He's preparing something. He cares about your future. And I want to make a strong statement this morning about this message. That I believe, and I'm convinced, out of all the five titles, the five names given to Jesus to describe his name, this one, the Everlasting Father, is the most profound. The fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, should be called the Everlasting Father is amazing. Because few words in any language evoke the kind of feelings that are stirred up within us than when we hear the word father. Some especially during this time of the year feel a sense of loss, right? Maybe maybe we've had a dad that was very meaningful in our lives and he's, and he's passed. Or maybe he's aging like mine at 82 and I'm willing to drive as often as I can to New Orleans or him to drive as often as he can to Hot Springs so we can spend some time together because, man, dad's impacted my life, my father. But for others, it's a sense of loss. And maybe there's someone in this room that feels that sense of loss when we say the word father because you have some unfulfilled longings for the kind of father that maybe you never really had. This is why this verse entitled giving to Jesus is incredibly comforting in this verse of Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, because as we understand this and as we'll begin to unfold it in the next few minutes, it is under the father's care. It is under the father's provision. It is under his protection that we are safe and we are satisfied and we are secure for eternity. And by referring to the Messiah in this scripture as the everlasting father, what Isaiah is doing, and I'll just mention this quickly and briefly, is he's alluding to the fact that Jesus is God. He's God. This title means that the coming Messiah is also going to be and is the creator of everything. He's the father of time and eternity. He's the grand architect of the ages, and although that can be comforting, can I tell you something I've learned? And, and I say this even as your pastor. Sometimes, even for me, it's a little perplexing. Please don't think ill of me. I, I, I sometimes am blown away by things in Scripture. Sometimes I can be just slightly confused. How can Jesus the Messiah, the second person of the Godhead, be called the everlasting Father? I mean, when you think about it, the connection between the Father and Son as one person, what that does is bring us to a doctrine that is called the Trinity or the Godhead. It's described in Scripture, Colossians 2, 9. For in Him, simple, simple here, just meditate for a moment with me. Quick little Bible lesson here about what we're experiencing tomorrow morning Jesus is God in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead the Godhead is is the trinity and it and in the manger he's doing this bodily Jesus came in human flesh he's God if he, uh, Colossians 2 9 in the Christian Standard Bible says it like this, and I like this for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Let me say this this morning. We believe there is one God manifested in three persons God is the Father, God is the Son, and God is the Holy Spirit. Jesus the Messiah is the only one who can reveal God's fatherly character to us, and He does. From Jesus' own lips, words such as these were spoken in John 10:30. "I, Jesus said, "I and the Father are one. We're one." And in His prayer to the Father, Jesus said this in John 17, "I have given them the glory you've given me so that they, that's you and I, may be one as we are one." Everything the Father is, Jesus is. In his nature, in his attributes, in his character, in his person. If you want to know what God is like and worship him, look at Jesus and worship him. Jesus is the perfect image of God. He is the exact representation of his being. And so Jesus can claim to be the everlasting father. I want you to know he is the everlasting father. And that's why there is a Christmas. Jesus would become flesh. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, see, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. And they will call his name Emmanuel. And here's how that's translated. God is with that's who Jesus is God with us not God out there somewhere no God here with us so with that in mind what does it mean to us here's the practicality of it all what does it mean to us that he is our everlasting father What does it mean in Isaiah 9, 6 when it says his name shall be called Everlasting Father? How does Jesus cover the dimensions of our lives this Christmas, this Christmas? I mean, tomorrow or this season? How does he help us with our past? How does Jesus help us with our present? How does Jesus help us with our future? I want to invite you to open three everlasting gifts this morning from the Everlasting Father. And I'd like to give you those gifts this morning. I know they're not physical gifts. I know they're not gifts that you can unwrap uh, under a tree, but these are gifts this morning that you can unwrap in your heart and understand what the Heavenly Father does for us. Number one, he gives us the gift of his protection. How does he do that? He covers our past. My sins this morning are forgiven. I have passed from death To life. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. And now my heart is free and in my heart's a song, buried in the deepest sea. Yes, that's good enough for me because I can live eternally. Praise God, my sins are gone. They're gone. He covers my sins. In John chapter 5 and verse 24, here's what scripture says. Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who has sent me, anyone who does that has eternal life and will not come under judgment. There's his protection because they've passed from death to life. Don't miss this church. Jesus has removed my sinful past. Jesus has forgiven me. He has saved me. My past condemned me. I was going to perish Right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his only son. There's Christmas. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Can I, can I tell you something about Erica Pacey this morning? Fact. My life was on its way to total destruction, but Jesus gave me everlasting life. Amen. This is the truth about me this is the truth about you or this can be the truth about you and since I've been saved I've been given so many gifts that last forever it's mind-boggling I mean I mentioned there's no gift that lasts forever but since I've been saved that's all he gives me he gives me all these gifts and every single gift he gives lasts forever first of all he gave me a new faith a new faith In fact, Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, about my new faith, that if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. What's amazing about Jesus is this. I used to sing this song growing up. Some of you will remember it. Others of you will think, well, that's interesting. (laughs) Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, including today, I love him more and more. Jesus saves and keeps me, and he's the one I'm waiting for. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Amen. Hey, Jesus did that for me. He gave me a new faith. I'm a new creation, and He's the new has come into my life. Hey, He's an, he's a new friend. He gave me a new friend, John 15, 15. I don't call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I've heard from the Father. Remember last week we talked about or a couple of weeks ago, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. He's given me a new foundation. Isaiah 28 says, therefore the Lord God said, look. I have laid a stone in Zion, Jesus, a tested stone, Jesus, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. The one who believes will be unshakable because of Jesus saving me. I'm unshakable because I'm built on a foundation that is unshakable. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 3.11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. He is our sure foundation. What a gift. I have a new family. Ephesians 1.5 says God decided in advance to adopt us in his own family. By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, this is what he wanted to do. In fact, it gave him great pleasure to do it. That's why this morning I can sing, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood, join heirs with Jesus as we travel this side. For I'm part, I'm part of the family, the family of God. And I love it because if you're part of the family of God, if you're a young lady, you're my sister. And if you're a young man, you're my brother. Notice I said young for all of us. We're going to live forever. We might as well call ourselves young. Amen. That's what I love about the family of God is when I got saved, I went from one brother to millions of brothers. I went from no sisters to millions of sisters. Hallelujah, billions maybe. I don't know. I just know I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God. Oh, I love my church family and I love my heavenly family. I've been adopted into that family, I've been given a new forgiveness. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember this, the Lord forgave you. You got to forgive others. He forgave you. This is a forgiveness that comes wrapped in love this morning. He gave us a new fortune. Think about this in Ephesians 2, 7. So that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The immeasurable riches of his grace. You can measure your riches on earth. You can look at your bank account down to the penny and say, this is what I've got. But I want you to know something. The grace of God, the riches of God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mind. It is immeasurable to try to measure his riches, his grace. And finally, I've been given a new father. Isaiah 64, eight says, yet Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are the work of your hands. And depending on your relationship with your father is often how you view the heavenly father but I want you to know something this morning about your heavenly father. Regardless of how you view your earthly father, he will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He is the everlasting father. The Bible has an amazing phrase repeated often. Would you like to know what it is? It's a phrase in scripture often repeated, and it goes like this, from everlasting to everlasting. It's interesting to do a study on that. It's repeated often. Isaiah. I'll read you a couple in, 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 in Psalms chapter 90 verse 2. It says this. Before the mountains were brought forth. Or ever you had formed the earth and the world. Before the mountains were there. Before you created the world. Before the earth was formed. From everlasting. To everlasting. You are God. Wow to explain that to me. That's how we say it in Arkansas, explain it. Well, I'll try. I mean, about I, I, the only way I can try to explain it is say, if you take your left hand and stretch as far as you can stretch, and then just imagine infinity and beyond, and then take your, your right hand and stretch it out as far as you can, and, and, and let that go to infinity and beyond, and just keep going. It's like, where does it end? I, I, that's where I can't. I, I, you lose me there. It's, it's, it's from everlasting to everlasting. What do you say to that? Well, the psalmist said this in Psalm 106, 48. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel. He's from everlasting to everlasting. Uh, let all the people say, say it with me. Amen. What, what else can we say? Praise the Lord. What else? I mean, hallelujah. I don't know. I mean, it's just like, I, I, I don't know. I, I just I just have to say, amen. Whew. What a God, what a father. He's from everlasting to everlasting. He's covered my past. He's covered my past by saving me and giving me everlasting life, eternal life. This is a gift that will last forever. The gift of protection. My past is covered. Here's a question on the screen I want everyone to ask themselves and meditate for just a moment. Have you received this gift of eternal life from the eternal Father? Just a moment to answer that question privately, internally, individually. Have I received this gift of eternal life from the eternal Father? The second gift that the Everlasting Father gives us is the gift of God's provision. Remember, he covers our past. That's his protection, the gift of his protection. But the gift of his provision is this. He covers our present. And let me tell you how good this is. This is a great gift. And by the way, this is a gift that lasts forever. See, when I got saved on September the 1st, 1978, a long time ago, 40 plus years ago, Jesus says he came to give me abundant life. In fact, in John 10, 10, he puts it like this. A thief comes only to steal, only to kill, only to destroy. I have come, Jesus said, so that they might have life and have it in abundance. This is the everlasting gift of God's provision for our lives. He knows exactly what, I, what, he, what we need. He is our provider. And this can be very confusing. It's like a child looking to his father for direction. We look today to our everlasting father for direction. I mentioned that I went to see my dad this past week and I think it might've been Wednesday night that all the kids were having fun in the living room and it was getting loud in there. They're playing a game and it was crazy. And so the two old guys in the house, me and dad, (laughs) I'm the oldest son, we, we slipped back to his office. And for about 45 minutes, I just kind of let dad talk. I may have said 10 words. And those 10 words, maybe I said three different times in the form of a question and dad just rambled on and on about life and blessings. Some of the things he told me was this. He said, you know, son, when you're 82, he said, honestly, material gifts don't mean a lot. Me and your stepmom, we have everything we need. But it's when we get a text, he said, I can't tell you what a text means to your dad. Man, I let that sink in. I got to thinking, I'm not there yet, but I'm close. <laughs> just kidding, Chloe. All right. <laughs> still like the gifts, but uh, that's, that was a joke. Oh, you're loud. Great, yes, throw away. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I, I, I hung on to that, Angelica. I, I hung on to that, right? Okay, dad just gave me a nugget. As I get older. There's going to be my, my perspective changes more about things and gifts and what really matters in life. And my dad went on and gave me all kinds of thoughts and advice and perspectives about aging and getting old and looking forward to heaven and being a wife, uh, being a husband, excuse me, to his wife of many years in their elderly years. And he even talked about what would happen if something happened to them and how he would move forward. She's, they've talked about how she would move. It was very interesting and intriguing and powerful and amazing. And I got to sit down and get my father's perspective on so many things I've read this before but when you think of the influence that our fathers or some of our fathers have had on us this is cute at five years here's what we say my dad could do anything at 10 years my dad knows a lot a whole lot at 15 years dad he's hopelessly out of it at 20 years my dad knows a little bit about it but not much at 30 years Let's find out what dad thinks about it. At 40, let's get dad's interpretation about it first. At 50, what would dad have done about it? At 60, my dad knew literally everything about it. And at 70, man, I wish I could talk to dad about it. I read that because I want you to know but I know one day, as hard as it is for me to fathom, I won't be able to have that conversation that I had Wednesday night. My dad's gonna be gone. He'll at some point he'll leave this earth. But guess what? My heavenly Father will always be available. And though my dad lives 450 miles away and sometimes he's not always accessible like he was Wednesday night. I have an everlasting father that is always available. This Christmas we need to be reminded that Jesus is still the answer to all of life's questions. Amen. He's the answer to all of your marriage problems. He's the answer to all of your family dilemmas. He's the answer to all of your work challenges. He's the answer to our need of security and stability. He's the answer to help bridge the gap between heaven and earth. Only Jesus Christ, who in himself combines deity and humanity can help bridge the gap. No other person, no other religion, no other philosophy, no other way of living can bring us to God and save us from our sins and suffering the penalty of those sins only Jesus can do that only Jesus he covers my present he covers my present he gives me the answers to help me live what abundantly abundantly and then thirdly he's the gift of God's protection It's the gift of God's provision. And finally, it's the gift of God's preparation. He covers my future. Scripture is very clear about what Jesus is doing for my future. Now, some people, maybe even in this room, think of the future. And some are looking at it with joy and anticipation. But yet others look at the future with apprehension and worry, right? I mean, just maybe depends on kind of what stage we're at in life and maybe where we're at with uh, God. And have we made peace with God? Have we truly been saved? Do we, do we know where we're going when this life on earth is over? Well, I've got some news for you. As I close the message, I want you to know that when Jesus spoke to his disciples before he was about to be crucified, he had a conversation with these dudes, all right? And he sat down with them and he talked to them about the future, the great talk by the Heavenly Father, the everlasting Father, had a talk with his kids about the future. And guess what they did? They were concerned. They, they were a little confused. I mean, he gave them some comfort. He wanted to meet them where they were. He could see their hearts were troubled. And so he made some promises to them about what he was preparing for them for comfort purposes. And. These promises are for you and me too. They're found in John 14 verse one. Here's what he says to these guys. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it weren't so, I would not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place For you. And if I go. If I go. I know you're upset about that. I know that's a little unnerving. But if I go and prepare a place for you. I'll come again. And I'll take you to me. So that where I am, Jesus said, there. You may be also. And then Jesus makes this statement in verse 4. You know the way I'm going. Jesus speaks of heaven as a real place. He never speaks of heaven as a state of mind. Be careful about this philosophy that tries to distort heaven as anything but a real place. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And Jesus, the carpenter, is building a heavenly home for all who have trusted in him. And just as we have questions about our future, the disciples had questions too. In fact, Thomas wanted to know, how do you get this preparation? How do you get the way to heaven? And Jesus says in the very next verse, after he said, you know the way I'm going. And Thomas says, Lord, actually, we don't. We don't know the way that you're going. In John 14:5, how can we know the way? Jesus says, I am the way. Help me out, guys. I am the way, the truth. And the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. This is the way. This is the way, Thomas. You can know the way. The way is through me. Jesus tells us that he is the way to the gift. The gift of eternal life is through Jesus. God the Father, Jesus goes on to say in the next verse, will reveal himself to us through Jesus, Christmas. John 14, verse seven. Here was his response to Thomas. Thomas, if you know me, you know the father. From now on, you do not know him. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. And then all of a sudden, Philip speaks up. Yo, I got a question, Philip. Philip says, Lord. Show us the father. And that's enough for us. And Jesus says, have I been among you all this time? And you don't know me, Philip. The one who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? And then Jesus goes on to say in the very next verse, don't you believe that I am the father and the father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The father who lives in me does his works. Believe me, believe me that I am the father. Believe this, I and the father are one. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. The key to that last verse is that two times he uses the word believe. This is how you open the gifts. You believe. You believe that Jesus is the way. You believe that Jesus is the life. You believe that Jesus is the truth. He's from everlasting to everlasting He can take care of your future. What he says will come to pass. He won't change his word. He won't go back on his word. He's the everlasting father. His purposes are unchanging. Amen and amen. But nothing in this world lasts forever. Nothing. We've seen the frailty of life in recent days in countries like Israel and the Gaza Strip and around the world. We've seen the frailty of the world's structures. But let's bring it home more to us this morning in this protected environment called America. Let's bring it to, to light to us in this conservative state in the Bible Belt of Arkansas. The reality is no matter how much your parents love you, no matter how much your husband or your wife loves you, if you live long enough, there's going to come a day when they will leave hard to fathom honey but they'll come a day as much as i love you that either i'll leave first or you'll leave first but here's the good news sweetheart and we've talked about this jesus is different he's different And hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 says i will never leave you or abandon you he will always be our provider he will always be our protector He will always be our savior. He will always be our refuge. He will always be our strength. He loves you with an everlasting love to infinity and beyond. You know, there's a little story I want to read to you in closing. This is it. We've been together for an hour. We'll be together for just a few more minutes. And I want to read you this story. And I want to make one statement, and then we're going to bow our heads. A dad wrote a letter to his three-and-a-half-year-old son dying of a brain tumor, a son he thought he'd have a lifetime to love. Dear Casey, as I lie in bed holding you, I'm so painfully aware that you will be with us for only a few more minutes, if that. My heart breaks when I think of the struggles you've endured in the last eight months. I give anything to switch places with you. As you close your eyes, Casey, and decide when you want to go to heaven, remember how proud I am of you, son. From the day you were born until today, you've brought me only joy. You exceeded my highest expectations of what fatherhood would be like. You've not only been my son, You've been my dearest friend. I'm going to miss you terribly. All that I've learned from you validates that my life was on the right track and that my values are in the right place. How else could I have such a wonderful boy? And for that, Casey, I thank you. We'll never forget the happiness you brought us. I'm the most blessed man in the world to have been your father and friend. I love you. So, Casey... It's okay to close your eyes now. You don't have to fight anymore. Thanks for being my son. Dad. Wow. That's an amazing love that a father has for his son. But that can't even compare that love we just read about doesn't even come close to how much Jesus, the everlasting Father, loves you so much more. He loves you. He covers your past. He covers your present. He covers your future. Every head bowed this morning and every eye closed for a moment. As we wonder about this Christmas Wealth and wonder and worship and wisdom that we've been talking about. I want you to close your eyes for a moment and just take a moment to consider the question I asked a moment ago. Have you received the gift of eternal life? Have you? If you're in this building this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there might be someone in this moment And maybe this would be a good time just just for the moment as we prepare to worship to, to dim the lights just a little. And as we do that, I ask you a question. Have you received the gift of eternal life? If you would say, Pastor, I have not received that gift yet. Would you please, just for a moment, in the silence of this moment, would you lift your hand to where I could just see that hand? If you've not yet received the gift of eternal life, and I can, just for a moment, I can see that hand of honesty. Thank you. see a little hand slip up. I see that hand. Who is there anyone else? Pastor, just, just want to be honest about God bless you, my brother. I see another hand. Thank you. Anybody else? And if you haven't lifted your hand in the building where anyone can see it, I can assure you that Jesus sees that hand if it's lifted in your heart. I want to encourage you this morning. If you'd like to receive Jesus Christ and know him personally and be born again, I don't want you to miss this opportunity to open God's gift. Maybe just in the silence of this moment as we prepare to sing, you could just pray right now, talk to God. Maybe say something like this, dear Lord, I I know I'm a sinner. And God, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and he covers my past with his blood. I believe that Jesus rose again to prove that he was God. And with all my heart right now, I turn from my sin and I ask Jesus Christ to be my personal Savior. Come into my heart, forgive my sins and take me to heaven when I die. He will save you today. And if you raised your hand publicly or in your heart and you have received Christ this morning, I would love to rejoice with you, talk to you more about it, talk to you about next steps, explain baptism, explain discipleship, explain what it means to be a child of God. If you'd give me that opportunity, I'll hang out after church. I'll be in the front during our worship time. I'll be shaking. I'd love to set up a coffee time with you to talk about the greatest decision you have ever made this morning. And if you also, if you're here this morning, you just want to take a moment as we conclude our service on this Christmas Eve and just thank God for the everlasting father. I wasn't very off when I said this may be the most profound, was I? How amazing is it that Jesus is from everlasting to everlasting? He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He is God with us. Merry Christmas, church family. Father, I love you. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for the worship team that has made these adjustments this morning to allow us to enter into your presence with song. And so, Father, I pray as we begin now to end the service that you would work in our hearts, that you would move in our hearts, that you would speak to us in this moment. And that if there's anyone here today that needs to come forward and spend a moment in prayer or spend a moment with myself or one of our elders just to talk about decisions they need to make or struggles they're going through or the hopelessness maybe they feel during this time of the year. If we can lean in, God, help someone to feel comfortable enough and loved enough to be able to step out and come for prayer. We'll be waiting. And Father, may most importantly, we just honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thank you for being our everlasting Father in Jesus' name. Amen. You may stand.